Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Well, thank you, Mindy. What a, what a great song for today's message. All of them really have been in that direction. And, you know, I just, I'm excited. I, I'm, you, can you feel it? I mean, I, I think you can. That this kind of this rumbling, that God's on the move, that we're coming to this place, that it's time. And um, I'm so excited for Jeff and Cindy and your family. Love you. And, you know, just, we're still just trying to figure it out. But, um, you know, God deploys his people. He's always have. And so uh, excited for that. I'm excited for the Tiermans coming. I've had a chance to sit down with them on a couple of longer extended times to visit and hear the heart. I, I'm excited about that. Um, so, and now I get to preach on despair. So, uh, <laughs> um, we are in a series. I, I shouldn't laugh. It's just ironic, but I uh, ten minutes only anyway. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, really fast. So, uh, <laughs> so we've been using this rope. Pastor Lauren's been using the rope as a metaphor. You know for. God's guarantees, holding on to the promises, and he's had people going up and down the aisle and all those kind of things. And today, our, so last week was on fear. Today is on what's God's promises? How does he come alongside of us in our despair? So despair, as, as I'm seeing it, as I have it in my mind today, is, is when we get to a place in our life where holding onto the rope seems like too much. Like we just like, Forget it. I've had enough. I'm done. I'm going back to my old life, or I just can't, you know, just in that, in that darkness. And, and I'm going to use words today uh, like us and we, and, and I'm not so much talking about specific ones of us, but it is an us thing. This is a we thing. And God's promises, as I'm seeing it today, as we've read through the Scripture, as I studied this week again is that in times of despair, metaphorically now using the rope, when we don't, we, we want to get people's hands on the rope when they're despair as soon as we can, but we understand that sometimes you just can't. And so in this, we have God's promise that even when we can't hold on to the rope, that he holds on to us, right? So this is what I have in my mind, is that each one of us, when we're not wanting to hold on, when it's just too hard, when we say we've had enough, that even unbeknownst to us, because we can't see it. We're so into, you know, uh, the, the pain and the, the brokenness when we can't see it, and unbeknownst to us, that God is very much holding on to us. So, I, so if you just kind of have that, that God is holding on to you this morning. Let's pray. Father God, again, uh, in the few moments that I have here, that, that you would help us, that you would help me be but really clear this morning that you would grab on to us this morning with your word and with this story of how you interacted with Elijah. Encourage us today. Encourage the one this morning who really needs it, especially this morning. It's my heart's desire, Lord, that you would empower this by your spirit, that you'd be here. In Jesus' name, amen. So the memory verse for this week, if you are doing that to write on your 3 by 5 card or however you're doing it, is this, is this passage from Isaiah 41.10. Can you put that up there? Um, here it is. So let's read it together. So do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So I, the, the part of that, that this upholding you with, your, with his righteous right hand, that he's holding on to us even when we can't hold on um, ourselves. And so today we're going to look at Elijah, this story that uh, Michaela read, and um, see how God did exactly that, that he promises in Isaiah. How did God strengthen him? How did God help him? How did God uphold him? How did he handle this? Now in your notes, there's lots of fill-ins today. I went crazy on that part. But there's ten, you know, there's ten things. And please, please, please do not... It just came out that way. It's not like ten easy steps to overcome despair. You know, that, I just... that makes me so angry when I see that because it's so unrealistic and it's just not the way it is. This is not easy stuff and there are no easy steps on this. But I observed at least 10 things or more that I'd like you to observe too. How did God come alongside his guy? How, will, how can you expect God to come alongside of you? And how can you and I come alongside of us when we're going through challenges like that, when we're despairing, when we're having problems? So the First one that I, I have here, uh, godly people experience despair. I mean, it's just, it's good to know that even a people of great faith have ups and they have downs. Great despair. Isaiah was very low in this time. This isn't a people, this isn't a situation where people of great faith never have despair, never have depression, never have problems. And people of little faith, you know, those are the people that have to do it. No, no, no. The word is clear here today, especially with Elijah. This guy is a stud in God's army. He is spiritually a giant, one of the guys that we look to, and he experienced despair. Godly people do experience despair. We, it's part of the human dilemma. Uh, it's a part of our experience. We have ups and downs, and we live in a broken world, and we ourselves are broken. I am broken. I have ups and downs. I get it right sometimes. I get it wrong sometimes. But God's promises are that he holds on to us. Elijah is amazing. If you go back to 1 Kings 18, you just see this. This is the big story of the confrontation with the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And, you know, he takes them on, 850 to 1. I mean, he is just fearless, courageous, bold, zealous, and he takes them on, and you know the story. If you don't, this is a great thing. I mean, I couldn't help but just read the whole thing, like chapter after chapter, just seeing how all these things came together and the promises came around. But uh, what, a, what, a, what a time out on Mount Carmel. Some of us were up on Mount Carmel, and so we can kind of picture where all of this happened. So what can we expect? What can we expect when we have great victory, when you have great ups, have a box there. You might want to put some of these things down that it is not infrequent when we have victories in our faith, when we have great moves, even as a whole church, that we can have emotional letdowns. And he certainly had an emotional letdown. This used to scare me at first, early in my ministry. You know, I had lots of examples of this. I remember one time before I was married, I had a great time in 
in Mexico, brought students there, and we worked our butts off. We came home, we were so tired, and like, you know, I'm not comparing myself to Elijah or students to the prophets of Baal. Well, maybe a little, but, uh, (laughs) no, so I'd had a time. I mean, it was like, it was everything for you, like discipline and all that kind of stuff, and Somewhere in the process of that trip, I'd confiscated a pack of cigarettes from the students. And I got home and I smoked every one of them. I don't even smoke, you know, but I was just like, ah. Oh. And I just remember that walking around just feeling, oh, man. And that used to really scare me, like, what is going on? And what a loser. And just, you know, the, you know that, that, um, you, the, the condemnation and all those kind of things, some of the similar things that Elijah, and, and I, now I just know and, and can even expect that after big times, hard times, like, and you can expect this too, that when if there's a, a real victory, maybe you got baptized, I just, I'm, I'm eager to talk with those people because we need to let people know that, you know, that highs that there are often some lows and to, you can prepare for that and get ready for that, get the right people around you. You can also expect counterattacks from the enemy, and certainly we see that in this story. This obstinately wicked woman, Jezebel, instead of repenting after this big clash, instead of repenting, makes a binding, unbreakable oath of revenge. I'm going to kill you, and she meant it. In other words, for Elijah, like he thought the battle was over, God made his move, people are going to repent, come back, and now instead... She's getting after him, and Ahab, King Ahab, has not repented. He just goes back and, uh, you know, whistles out to his wife. It's just a bad situation, and and so there's this counterattack from the enemy, and Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life, and this is when he comes to kind of the end, and he's running now. He's running away from God. He's running away. He's dropping the rope. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm afraid. This guy was so bold just a chapter before And he just says, take my life. Take my life. I'm done. Just let me die. I'm no better than than these people. So what else can you expect? Well, you, you and I can always expect whispers from the enemy of condemnation. I mean, who whispered this in Elijah's ear? You're no better than them. It, to an extent, true. I mean, that's not the point. None of us are better than anyone, but he, he, had, he, would, he was bold. He was fearless. He was stepping out for the Lord. So who was whispering? Was that God whispering in his ear? No, that was the enemy. The enemy was whispering, you're, you're a failure. You're no better than, than your people. I mean, we find out in the chapter before, the people, you know, that this isn't true fundamentally, but he was just feeling it, that he, since it didn't come together, he had failed, and um, people weren't going to uh, turn away from idolatry. It had all been in vain. It had been fruitless. All the work, all the progress had been for nothing. Just pause here a moment. What's the enemy saying to you this morning? Is he, he's no doubt whispering lies in your and my life. And they're ones of condemnation that push you away from God. When it's God speaking, he might say the hard things to us. He will. He loves us, but he's pulling us toward him. Enemy is always pushing us away from God. So a second thing, in this story we see God's attentiveness uh, to his servant. He sends his servants, the angels, but he doesn't grant the request. He's attentive. He's, He's there, but he doesn't 
you know, condone this. He doesn't coddle Elijah. He doesn't give him this quick fix. Oh, I'm so sorry for you, Elijah. Just wave my, my wand over you and, you know, make it all go away. There's, he, he doesn't give him a shortcut of getting out of this situation that he is. Shortcuts are what the enemy gives us. The enemies are always giving us shortcuts to, to get some relief, to get out of the pain. And so our addictions, our, you know, the things that we do, smoking all those cigarettes, all of that, those are just little shortcuts. All the way to suicide is a shortcut. But all shortcuts really are long cuts that end up not, not meeting our needs and certainly causing deep pain for us and for those we love around us. The enemy is always holding out shortcuts, but not the Lord. In this, we see what God doesn't do as well. And there's just this little video clip. I just want you to see, we need to get this in our heads that this little kid, Bob Newhart, is a counselor. A woman comes to him, and she has lots of issues. And this is how Bob Newhart has. God is not Bob Newhart. Okay, so let's Take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. You're there. Stop it! <laughs> New word, IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds frightening. Yes. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. We, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! <laughs> Not of some kind? Don't, don't do that. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me... No, Daddy. no, no. No, no we, de- we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it! Okay, let's just... We got time. Okay, you get the point, right? So if you're inclined when, even for yourself or people who are in your life, and when they're going through tough, tough times and, you know, like despair, depressed, whatever, and in your mind just, you're thinking, just stop it. You know, I just have two words for you. Stop it, okay? Stop it. Don't do it. We can't go there. That's not, that is not the way God handles Elijah and certainly uh, not the way 
we're to go alongside of people. So what, is, what does God do? Well, he begins a healing process, which takes on the whole person of Elijah. I'm not saying that God at times doesn't do a healing work, an inner healing that goes quicker. We have lots of stories from next door at the healing rooms of of Tulare County where God does that, but it's often, that included a a longer process of, you know, of all the the parts of of who, who we are, and certainly we see that with Elijah as well. And so he begins, number five, he gives rest. And it's it's not just rest physically, but it's also emotionally. He does soul care for Elijah. And we can expect this as well, that he's going to work with us, body, mind, and soul, our uh, mind and our will and our emotions. And as as Christians, Jesus captured the heart of the Father when he said this, Come to me when you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am. And these, these are the words that I want you to hear today. That, that the Lord, that the Father, and we'll hear this later in the, in the um, Elijah story, that I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. I will, I will find rest for your souls, your mind, your will, your emotions. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the invitation to each one of us today, to come to Jesus. He is our rest. For Elijah, I mean, it was physical rest. My goodness, the guy went up and down Mount Carmel. Um, we went down it, and we went up it in a bus. It's no easy thing. He, he killed the prophets of Baal, so some 400 or 450 maybe had some help with that. So um, I've been with cops when they've been in, you know, kind of death situations, and so there's off, I, I can't imagine after all of that and all the, the gore and the bloodshed that he's not going through, through some sort of post-traumatic side. I mean, what an what experience that must have been with him, even though it was righteous and in the, in the uh, will of God. Um, in the strength of the Lord, he ran 16 miles ahead of a chariot. So after all of that, and then he runs for his life, and he travels about 90, well, 90 miles with my little ruler, but they say it's a little over 100 miles to where he went in Beersheba. And then he, a day after that, he goes without his servant. The guy's tired. He's just tired. Physically, he is just worn out. And when you and I are fatigued physically, like after extending great energy, and then, then you need to watch it. And in this case, he... Uh, he was just flat out tired, and he is given rest, like physical rest. The next one, number six, he sends his angels to care and minister. He meets his physical needs, and God feeds him. I mean, he sends his angels. Don't, don't ever underestimate when God calls you, he puts it in your mind, your heart, like, I should really bring a meal to this family, to this person. I mean, there's just something about that, bringing a meal, something tangibly, something physically that's going to that's gonna nourish, but it's from God, and you're part of this conduit of grace and truth and, and goodness uh, from God. We, we've been on the receiving end of those, and it's just to receive, it's just like there's something more than just having, you know, good food to eat, but just the love that comes from that, the, the care, the extension, and so if that's the... Uh, um, a gift that you have, that God's calling you to do, just you know, no, never underestimate that. And we see God doing that for Elijah uh, through his, his angels. Number seven, he, God gives direction. He gives direction. So 
Now he's points, he points Elijah now to Mount Horeb, or now this is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. He's, this is so interesting to me for a couple of different reasons. One is he doesn't just let him just sack out under the, the broom tree and just hang out there and keep bringing him food. No, he gets him on the move. He gets him on the move. And that's good for us when we're, when we're really in despair, when we're, we're having trouble, when, if you can, with the encouragement of others, is to, to get up and be on the move, get the exercise, the walking, getting outside, those kind of things that seem like you just don't want to, but this is what God has um, Elijah do. So has him on the move. And very interesting, why there? Why all the way? I mean, it's like 200 miles. It's a long ways that he has to go. So for 40 days, four nights, that's where he's headed. And so he has lots of time to think, but where is he going? Well, he's going to where it all began for the people of God, where they received the Ten Commandments, where God called me, you're my people, and I'm going to lead you. And so that's where he said, he may do that for you too. I put you back. You know, sometimes what we need in order to have the faith to go forward is to look back and see how God has met us, what promises he's made to us, what, what he's done for us in the past. And that's what he uh, certainly does for Elijah. And then He's in this cave, and God finally comes to him and says, what, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Like, what are you doing here? And he recounts the story. He's had lots of chance to, he knows his own little, he has his little speech, he has his own little reasons, and he, he gives it to God. He, he's, for, as far as he's concerned, this is what's going on. This is the truth. And... I think in some ways God's saying, no, listen, what really, what are you doing here? He's really making him think through the fact that he's running from God. He's not where he's supposed to be. This is not where God wants him. And then what does he do? Does God condemn him there? Hey, you're out. You ran from me, you're out. No, God gives him his presence. This is part of the, probably the most beautiful part of this whole passage, in my opinion, that he shows him his presence First, he comes with the earth, wind, and fire, baby. And he's just rocking the place. He's like, it's just this power of God. But in each case, it's, but God wasn't in, in those. This is what Elijah knew of God, even you know, how he had experienced him. He certainly has Elijah's attention at this point. And then we hear this whisper. We have this whisper. It just, got, it just struck me this morning. There's this gentle is this gentle whisper of God. Maybe that's just something that you and I need to hear today. That we just need to hear the whisper of God. What's he saying to us? His, his presence in your life. His affection for you. This assurance that you're one of his, his people. One of his kids. And I know it's God. I know it's God for Elijah. Because you see what Elijah does? He doesn't sink deeper into the cave. He comes out. And he approaches God. It says he wraps himself in his, you know, he covers his face. I mean, it's just like, I think it just finally all hits him. And he comes to God. And then God says again, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And he, he goes through his story again. But in my mind, in my heart, I don't think it was the same way he said it the first time. 
Not after experiencing and being enveloped by the presence of God. And then what does God do? Do you see this next thing? He gives them the truth. He gives them the truth. Speaks truth in his life. And he says, you know what? I've reserved 7,000 people. What is, what's Elijah's thing? And what happens when we are in despair and we're depressed? We get into ourselves. We're all alone. It's all me. And he's, God said, no, Elijah, I got 7,000 people. Never kissed Baal. Never took a knee to him. I got this. I got people. Maybe he remembers what he's been told in chapter 18. You'll see that there were a hundred other prophets that were being hidden, hidden and fed during the great famine so that we know that they were there as well. See, God, God will speak truth. He will correct. He will, he will expose the lies that you're believing, that I'm believing, that I'm holding on to. Take care of the condemnation. Speak his truth in his presence in your life. And then finally, he gives him a new assignment. He has something for him. He's not finished with Elijah yet. And he's not finished with you yet either. And he's not finished with me. God has something for us. And it takes stepping out in faith and we'll need his presence and his power. As a church, we, God is not finished. He's on the move and he has a new assignment for us. And what does he what do you say to Elijah? He's, you know, he says, anoint this king of Aram. Anoint this king of Israel. That had to come as really good news to Elijah. You know, because you know what that meant? Jezebel and Ahab's days were numbered. That had to be an encouragement to this prophet of God. Their days were numbered. And then he talks about Elisha, that there's a succession plan that hey, Elijah, you're not going to be at this point. You just you stay faithful now, but I have someone who's going to Pick it up after you leave. Like, this is a work in motion. I was work at before you were here, and I'm going to be at work when, after you're long gone, because I'm God, and I have this. And that's our encouragement as well, that God is not finished with us. Even if right now you are feeling down and low and beat down, God is holding on to you. You can expect... You can expect that he's going to speak in your life and he has something for you next. I'm going to invite you now just to be very quiet before the Lord just for a very, very few moments. Band can come up for our last song, but um, let me read this scripture again and then you listen for what God is saying to you from the text today. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. Lord, meet us here at this moment, I pray. Well, thank you, Lord. We will continue to listen for you um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.
Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.